Welcome to Sportsnet today. Josh Elliott Wolf, Dominic Ceramity on Sportsnet 650. No, no. Dominic no. Ceramity. Thank, thank you. On Sportsnet 650. I said your time. last name again and it sounded wrong coming out of my mouth the second time. The That's normal the last way. time I tell you that. Uh, we're coming to you live from the Kintec studio. Kintec Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider. Supported by over 2,500 five-star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at Kintech.net. You can text in 650-650. Dunbar Lumber text line. Dunbar Lumber with three stores to serve you in Ladner on Bridge Street. Dunbar Lumber Express at Ladner Center. Or Arbutus in Vancouver online at DunbarLumber.com. So last night I was like going through the rundown. Trying to figure out what we were going to talk about. And then I went to sleep, as one does. Um, and I woke up and there was stuff to talk about because Elias Patterson had a, had a little conversation with Elliot Friedman that was posted on an unforgivable, unforgettable one, <laughs> an unforgivable conversation, forgettable, unforgettable with Elias Patterson, uh, yeah. unforgettable with Elias Patterson. He posted it on Twitter and it's making the rounds this morning around Vancouver. I'm sure you heard quite a bit of talk on it on Halford and Bruff on Twitter moments X. ago. Or X. I'm going to keep calling it Twitter until it's not Twitter.com. Anyway, before we get into it, uh, let's listen to the clip from Elliot Freeman and uh, 32 Thoughts interview with Elias Pedersen. What's the best thing about Stockholm? For me, it's... uh, Now I like living in big cities, so it gets me to be somewhat uh, privacy. uh, And just... uh, Big town, a lot of opportunities for a lot of golf courses, and uh, my trainer lives here, and uh, I got a lot of hockey friends here as well. So. so did Vancouver do that to you? Vancouver made you a big city guy, eh? Yeah, it did. It transitioned me to uh, to a bigger, big city guy. <laughs> One more bit of business. Extension. You're eligible to sign. Yeah. Where do things stand? Yeah, um, I'm not in a rush to sign. Um, I'm a... I mean, I got one one more year left over there, and uh, I don't want to rush into anything because I still don't know myself if it's going to be a short term or a long term. But it's going to be uh, probably my biggest contract so far, so I don't want to stress anything. Just going to get off to a good start. Focus on that. Yeah, that's been the main goal. I mean, the whole summer I'm just trying to prepare myself as much as possible with training, trying to gain a little bit of weight, some muscles, and. Uh, and yeah, especially get off to a good start with the team. So the part that got everybody concerned there was the uh, the no rush part. He's not in a rush. Surely the Canucks aren't in a rush either. And then uh, Ian McIntyre tweeting out about 20 minutes ago that he spoke with agent Pat Brisson about Elias Pettersson's wish to focus on next season and not contract talks. Here's the quote. The main focus will be for him to perform it's more that than anything else. Both sides can evaluate. Let's sit down at the end of the year, end of the year, and explore where we're at. He didn't say it twice. I said it twice. He just said, let's sit down at the end of the year and explore where we're at. End quote. Are you concerned? Because, look, I was like minimal levels of concern when I heard 
the the clip come out with Elliot Friedman. Like I was I was a little worried, but I thought it would all work out in the end. I always do. And then I saw this quote that IMAC tweeted out, and now I'm a little more concerned. So when I heard the quote from Pedersen on 32 Thoughts, my initial thought was this is just the game. He's getting it from Brisson. Brisson's telling him, don't say anything. They're all media trained. Don't give, you know, don't show your hand in a negotiation. Play the game. He wants, he said, I don't know if I'm going to sign a short-term deal or a long-term deal, but he said, I'm going, to, I'm going to sign. Well, I mean, he has to. Short-term could be one year because he's an RFA, right? But he's extending. Sure. For one year yeah. after this year, which would be the RFA year. Yeah. My whole point is that I just don't think he's leaving. Okay. I'm not worried that he's leaving. There's time here. And they're playing the game. They I... are playing the negotiation game. Now, when it comes to the Brisson quote to Ian McIntyre, uh, the main focus here will be for him to perform. Sure, obviously. Everyone's going to say that. That's a normal quote you hear from agents all the time. Nothing untoward there. It's more that that than anything else. Sure, no problem there. Both sides can evaluate. Yes. Again, totally fine. Let's sit down at the end of the year and explore where we're at. So this is the interesting part of the quote. Why is it the interesting part of the quote? Because it can mean two things. Let's sit down at the end of the year. The year is 2023. When is the end of the year, Josh? That would be, well, December 31st. December 31st. I don't know if they would sit down exactly at that date. But perhaps maybe during, you know, the month of December. Maybe into January. Maybe into January. That is when they reevaluate and try and decide on a negotiation, a contract extension. But that could also mean by the end of the year. That could also mean April, May, June, July. Which I think is much more likely. Because, like, when agents... But, but not definite. Not definite, sure. But, like, when agents and players are talking about the end of the year, generally, like, they don't... I don't think they think in calendar years. You know what I mean? They think in seasons. And when they say end of the year, generally, they probably mean the end of the season. But also, Pat Brisson is probably like, I'm going to say end of the year. Just to, just to throw a curveball in there. I hope they talk about it. Because we will. And now I'm very concerned. Why I, are you concerned? For me, I thought it was almost a surefire thing. Almost a surefire thing. That before the start of the season, they were going to figure out a contract extension. And I thought it was going to be long term, seven or eight years. No chance. You go into the year, not worried about it. Can I stop because you there? Because the well, uh, I will I, say I'm going to put a pin in that. I want to talk okay. about that. Okay, continue. The reason I thought that is because I just don't see why there would be a huge gap between the number that Pedersen is looking at and the number that the Canucks are looking at. And if there is a huge gap, like are the Canucks coming in super low? Is Pedersen coming in super high? Like, I just feel like it should be a gap that should be easily bridged. And the Canucks, when we talk about, like, Pedersen talked about it. You just want to get off to a good start. There's so much pressure on the start to the season for the Canucks. 
you need to have as little background noise as possible. I agree with that. And uh, Elias Pettersson without a contract after this season is a lot of background noise, especially when he's talking about it and Pat Brisson is talking about it. And inevitably, Patrick Alvin, Rick Tockett are probably going to have to talk about it. But do you blame... Do you blame Pedersen or Brisson at all? Not at all. They are flexing their negotiating might, right? They know that they're in a position where they have all the leverage. Because if they get to the end of the year, everyone can offer them mega deals, and the Canucks have to match. At the end of, oh, yeah, yeah, RFA, you mean? The calendar, not the calendar year, but the, the season. Yeah, but the NHL calendar year. What I would be more concerned about, like, I'm not concerned about a team offer sheeting him. I'm concerned about him being like, yeah, I'll just go to arbitration, take a one year deal, and then I'm a, I'm a UFA. I'm gonna do whatever. Yeah, I want. but do you think he really's really gonna go to a one year deal? If they, like, if the Canucks, be honest, yes. If the Canucks are no. bad this year, and you're Elias Pettersson, you want to win. You've looked at what management groups have done while you're in Vancouver. Do you have any trust in what they're doing? They have to earn that back. And a lot of it is it's based on how you and the team are playing. But he wants to see how the season starts. And if it starts bad and it continues to be bad and disappointing like we've seen in the previous two, three years, it's going to feel like like things have to take a huge shift or huge step back yeah. because obviously it isn't working and for Pedersen he could look at that and say man like I know I can take this one-year deal next year I'll go to arbitration and then I'll leave it up to them if they want to trade me sure but it would be known to them that I am leaving or expecting a lot of money and you have to fix things very quickly and I think the Canucks are trying to but I would not be I, – I guess I will say I would be surprised if he ended up taking the arbitration route and walking himself to UFA. But, but I would be – what are you be, worried about? I would be less Dude. surprised than I was before. Yeah, but you'd still be surprised. Yeah, because we rarely see it happen. Exactly. Why do we rarely see it happen? Because in the NHL, players don't do that to the teams they get drafted to. But generally in the NHL – And the Canucks are going to offer a mega money. On, on a three, four-year deal. Maybe he doesn't want to sign eight. And he's smart to not want to sign eight. Because what do NBA players do? They sign shorter-term deals, two, three-year deal contracts, because the cap keeps going up and the potential income you can make goes up every season. This is about money. This isn't about the team. I think it's about the team. I think he's looking... To really cash in. But he's going to really cash in wherever he goes. And that's the thing. It's not like the Canucks are going to be like, hey, yeah, we'll give he you. He clearly likes it here. Sure. He likes Vancouver. Likes Vancouver the city. turned him into a big city guy. Probably likes the team. He's like, hey, a lot of like the Sedins played here. I can carry on that he's legacy. He's best friends with Quinn Hughes. That's great. Brock Besser. He can make friends elsewhere. It's sure. like when you move schools. It's like, man, this is going to be difficult, but I, I'm going to do it. I just think people need to. I'm a brave to, little boy. People need to relax, man. I'm like, not to quote Aaron Rodgers, but relax. It's negotiations. It is. And I understand. I understand Canucks Twitter is a toxic, hectic place, and I understand that the moment there's anything that doesn't resemble good news, Canucks 
new, uh, Canucks Twitter and all of this fan base loses its collective mind. But the truth is never at one radical end or the other. It's always in the middle. Sure. It's but always somewhere in the middle. Then there's a level of truth to being worried. I think it's very fair to be worried. What if you were Elias Patterson, aside from liking the city, aside from having some friends on the team and knowing that you're going to make a decent amount of money, which again, he's going to make anywhere he goes. What would entice you to sign in Vancouver? Cause for me, like I look at the team and what he's done, like he's been great and the team's done nothing. They've made the playoffs once in his Vancouver Canucks tenure. So to put it easily, I do think that the Benning organization put this team back a number of years. And Jim Rutherford and company came in and had to clean up that mess. And while, yes, a lot of you out there think that they haven't done a good job so far, you cannot deny the fact that now that we are here in the year 2023, heading into the 23-24 season, they have established organizational um, alignment from ownership down to the coach and the players. They finally have it. When someone speaks at a podium to the media, everyone is on the same page, which you have not had in this organization for so many years. Since the Mike Gillis era, you haven't had this kind of organizational alignment. You have to give this management group time to figure out this team. And this season, if you look how everything is turning out with the signings and the trades and buying out OEL, the coaching hires, everything is finally turning into we have a normal season ahead of us. We talked about this a couple weeks ago on this show. The Canucks finally are shaping up to just have a normal season where all you're talking about is the product on the ice and Patterson's contract. Not about some silly drama off the ice or organizational issues. Huh. or They still got a month or two. Give them time. You never sure. know. Sure, but I'm deciding to take the optimistic look at this. I just People just like... I understand. Everyone's been burnt in Vancouver. It's been a rough go here in Vancouver. I get that. But, like, you can't – every time something happens to this team or someone says something, you can't just automatically assume the worst out there. You can't. You have to look at it through clear lenses, and you have to ask yourself, okay, what does Pedersen gain from this? What does Pat Brisson gain from this? It's all negotiations. That's all this is. Players don't like talking to the media. They don't like talking to us. And when they do, they want to get something out of it. You scratch my back, I scratch your back. Right? Mm -hmm. All this is is negotiations in the public eye. That's all this is. Sure. There's no way Paprasong gives that quote to Ian McIntyre saying, let's sit down at the end of the year and explore where we're at without knowing if I say this, it's going to have ripple effects in the community. It's going to put pressure on the team, and my client is going to get paid more money because management is going to feel the heat. I do think there is an element of that. Like, I'm not I'm not discounting that at all. I'm very aware that Elias Pettersson, Pat Persson, like, all of them, players, agents, negotiate through media. That's definitely a tool. I'm not discounting that. And I think that's happening here for sure. 
I'm just saying that the more we like, the more I think about it, the more logically I'm like, hey, if he legitimately isn't happy with this team's direction, or is at least questioning it, it's like, hey, I I like the stuff that Patrick Alvin has done and this new management group. I'm I'm happy with it, but is it enough? And that's my question. Is like, Elias Pettersson's a smart guy. He can tell where this team is headed. Paperson's a smart guy. He can he can figure out where this team is headed. And if they're not confident in that direction, and if they're not confident that he's going to eventually be competing for Stanley Cups in Vancouver, especially because he's in his prime years right now, then why wouldn't you at least consider a short-term deal, short-term extension, and see where you're at in two, two, three years, maybe. But the thing that is important in this is yes what you're saying is correct but there is a bigger windfall to signing a short-term contract which you have yet to acknowledge no i i agree the the one thing i will say about that though is we rarely see it happen but hockey players are finally getting hip to this and nobody wants to talk about it austin matthews is getting hip to this also why are we saying hip to this Regardless, Austin well, Matthews. How else would you say? It? I don't know. Woke? Like I don't <laughs> no, know. No, that's worse. Never mind. Anyway, uh, like Austin Matthews, I think is the only one that re- really has. And I will say, we got a text here, Marcus and Gibson's. Um, Thank you, Dom. Capital letters. Well, that's not Marcus. And okay. Gibson's. Uh, Dom, tell that to the Flames that just went through radical change because of exactly what we are talking about. That's like, that's the thing is. We have also seen, while players are, to your point, someone like Austin Matthews is taking a short-term extension, we're also seeing players be like, hey, I can control where I go, which is another thing that happens in the NBA. We're, we're seeing it now with James Harden. He wants to go to his seventh team in two years, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, but you can't compare James Harden to Elias Patterson. No, but obviously he's not going to go to three teams in three years, but he might go to a second team in his career. That's not crazy to think. And I will say, look, like he, it would be similar to Matthew Kachuk, where he's not leaving them high and dry. He's not walking to UFA without telling them that he's going to but be a UFA. He's not a UFA. He's an RFA. No, but what I'm saying is he could theoretically take this arbitration. But deal. he's not doing that. Why do you? What like, hockey player does that? That has this massive star potential. You're taking the money. But you're just talking about like players taking short-term deals. Yeah, I'm not talking about a one one-year deal as a hockey player. Think okay, think about it, Josh. Hockey and basketball, right? Which which in which sport do you have a higher chance of getting so brutally injured that it ends your career? Hockey. Right. So you want some sort of financial security knowing that like hey, if I get injured this season, I need to make sure that I'm set up for 3 or 4 or 5 years down the line. But then why wouldn't this is this is my point. If he was if that was Pedersen's mindset, like, hey, I need to secure the bag, I need to make sure I have a bunch of money because if I get hurt, this is my livelihood. Because there's a difference between a four year deal and an eight year deal. Yeah. And there's a massive financial difference between what you can what you can earn as a star player in your third or fourth year of the contract when your cap is at X and your eight eight years down the line when that cap has risen dramatically. Okay, but are you also not – so let's say he signs a three-, four-year deal. Yeah. 
Is that Which not I think a concern? is what's going to happen eventually. Is that not a concern? No. To me, that's a concern. No, I think that's where the so NHL that's is going. The can down the road. No, I think that's where the NHL is going. And I think star players like Elias Pettersson are eventually going to figure out that if I sign a three- or four-year deal and I invest in myself, I know that by the time I get to my 27, 28-year uh, season, mm-hmm. when he's that old, yeah. then he cashes in. It is smart. At, at his peak. I agree. That's that's like a smart move. That's what they should Thank do. Thank you. But I'm saying from a team perspective, that is a concern. Because especially where the Canucks are at. Let's say Pedersen, for example, is like, hey, Quinn Hughes has three years after this one left on his deal. Sure. Why don't I just match up with that? And you guys will have a really fun 26-27 season when we're both expiring. And we'll see we'll see what happens. That's a concern for me because you look at where the Canucks are at, and they're nowhere close to being like a Stanley Cup caliber team in that time. Unless things really break their way. Unless some prospects really hit and they make a few really key trades, key signings, whatever, and really turn it around quickly. To me, that's a concern. Like you need to you need to sign Pedersen long term so that you can build this properly. Otherwise, what I think is going to happen is there's going to be a level of panic from management, being like, "Hey, we got to capitalize on this this three year window we're kind of locked into." And is that going to be the most effective way to build a? But Josh, a if, team. if he goes anywhere with this mentality, if NHL star players go anywhere with this mentality, GMs around the league are just going to have to adapt. Yeah. Like if Austin Matthews is like, I'm only going to sign a three-year contract because I know at the end, you know, in that third year, I can extend for five years and make even more money than if I just sign an eight-year deal because the cap's going to be that much higher. GMs are just going to have to adapt to this. If all NHL star players realize that, hey, I can make more money in my career if I just break up the terms into three- or four-year increments rather than locking in for eight, Mm-hmm. then they're going to do it. And agents are going to get get woke to it or hip to it or however you want to <laughs> explain it. I don't know what to make you happy anymore. Like, I understand from a fan's perspective you're worried because your window is everything as a fan. You want your window to be open as long as possible. Mm-hmm. But as we see in the NBA, players are starting to flex their might. And there is nothing you can do about it as a fan other than make a good team, create a roster that has a chance at winning the Stanley Cup. But you have to build that roster. You just, like, there, you don't have a choice otherwise. Yeah, sure. And all I'm saying is that if you only have, if you're the Canucks and you only have three or four years to do that, I just don't know if that's enough time for wh- for where they're at currently in their build, trying to restock the cupboard. But that's on Rutherford and Co. to figure that out, right? Yeah, sure. And, and like, I don't, I don't disagree with that at all. But I just, I'm saying from a fan's perspective, I can't. Again, going back to the original conversation of are these are these quotes concerning about Pedersen's like long term outlook in Vancouver? I can't take them as anything other than a level of concern. And again, like, look, a level, but not. Full-on panic. No, and here's what I will say. I'm not full-on panicking about this. I'm not like, hey, this means he's leaving for sure. I'm just saying I'm more concerned now than I would have been a month ago. And 
that's that's the only way I think people can take these quotes is you might not be incredibly concerned. I wouldn't say I am, but there's certainly more concern in me now. And that might progress based on how the season starts, especially the first 10 games. There's stupidly important first 10 games to the season. If they're bad during that time, everything's, there's going to be a huge fallout. Every, everyone's going to panic. Of course. And, and it's going to be a real drag to start the year. But that, that's where I'm at, is that there's a level of concern with these quotes. It is Sportsnet today. Josh Elliott Wolf, Dominic Schermatty on Sportsnet 650. Uh, on the other side, we're going to be joined by Jamie Eisenberg, uh, NFL and fantasy football analyst for CBS Sports. We'll talk some fantasy football. We'll talk some general NFL as well. Later on in the show, we'll get back into the Pedersen talk too. So keep your text coming in the 650-650 Dunbar Lumber text line. It is Sportsnet today. Josh Elliott Wolf. Dominic Schermatti on Sportsnet 650. Welcome back to Sportsnet today. Josh Elliott Wolf, Dominic Schermatti here on Sportsnet 650. We're with you to 11 o'clock, by the way. Weird time because uh, there's a Mariners game. At yeah. 11, and you can hear it on these airwaves at 11 o'clock. After Labor Day, like that weekend, I want to go in and I want to refresh all of our like music and stuff because I'm getting kind of tired of the the same generic license-free stuff. That's a nice thing because I, I produce Connect Central, yeah. so I don't have to hear it for a few months. So when it yeah. comes back, I'm kind of like, oh, I missed this one. No. But I got to You're not the normal person, though. Yeah. And like the people like Marcus and Gibson's who listen every day, mm-hmm. they're probably just like, ah, this song. This I song. heard it yesterday yeah. and two hours ago. Royalty free music. It's hard to find good ones. And that, that plays a part in it for you sure. You and I never get tired of? What's that? Fantasy football. Me neither. I got my first draft this uh, coming Sunday. We finally figured out the uh, the cash, the buy-in for the 650 Fantasy League. $1,000 each. No, I wish. No, I don't wish. That's uh, Would that be 1600 if 14 people are in. Or, or, so 1400 Winner takes all. And that our, would be uh, so stressful. Our fearless leader. Wait, sorry. It would be 14000 What are we talking 1400. about? 1400 If it, it was, I yeah. said 1000 Yeah. Okay. Regardless. Uh Let's get into some fantasy football talk. <laughs> Jamie Eisenberg, uh, NFL and fantasy football analyst for CBS Sports, joins us now. Thanks for taking the time, Jamie. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you. How are you guys? Uh, we are doing good. So I wanted to start with uh, the the guy that's kind of been making headlines in the past couple days, Jonathan Taylor. Um, from a fantasy perspective, how how much are you lowering his stock after what's kind of gone on, not only in the past couple of days, but past month or so as well? Well, actually, the past couple of days are, are somewhat encouraging by comparison to where things have been the last couple of weeks, because if he does get traded, you know, especially, let's say, to a team like Miami, then his stock goes back up significantly. So, you know, he's, he's certainly been, you know, dropped, you know, progressively, you know, went from a first-round pick at the start of this process, and, and by that I mean, you know, June, to right now where he's a third round pick for me and so you know if I get him in the third round I'm fine with that but at this point you know even drafting him in round two is a little bit risky 
until we know the destination. You know, hopefully it's not a situation, you know, for Dallas potentially as a rumor, you know, if he goes to a team like that where he's going to be sharing with somebody who's a very talented running back, that would be terrible. But if he goes to a running back group that's a little bit incomplete right now, like again, like Miami, uh, that would be ideal. So it's just going to be depending on where he ends up. If he does move, if he doesn't move, then I think you take him in the early third round because you don't want a disgruntled player who may or may not, you know, use the injury card if something goes wrong. Uh, should I be worried about drafting or keeping Khalil Herbert in Chicago or Raheem Mostert in Miami? How does this ripple out into other teams across the league? Yeah, you know, uh, I think once you get past the Miami situation, um, Chicago makes you know some sense. Obviously, Buffalo, you know, you could see a scenario where that might unfold. Um, you've heard Baltimore as a potential you know team that could be interested in him. Uh, Minnesota, you know, just knowing that they moved on from Dalvin Cook and did they want to go the Alexander Madison route. Uh, so, yeah, you know, it, it, it's it's tough when you're somebody like me who's doing, you know, a lot of drafts at this point, and, you know, some of them are, are counting, or somebody like you, like, who's got to make some keeper decisions. I think just, to, you know, whenever your deadline is, you just got to, you know, cross your fingers and hope for the best. Is Deion Jackson the obvious choice as RB1 in uh, in most fantasy leagues for the for the Colts? I don't think he's the obvious one. You know, I, I think if Zach Moss was healthy, that would be the guy that they would look at, and he's supposed to be ready, you know, early in the season. Uh, Kareem Hunt has already taken a visit there, so I would be surprised if there's not some sort of signing, you know, if if uh, if Taylor moves on, you know, between you know Kareem Hunt or Leonard Fournette, you know, the two guys of prominence that are still available, and and let's not rule out, you know, if they do make a trade with a team, you know, Chicago makes some sense. They have three running backs on their roster, you know, maybe somebody goes back in return. Um, you could see a situation like that, you know, with whatever team that they do make a deal with for Taylor, you know, whether it's you know a Miami that they send a Jeff Wilson or or he or something along those lines. So I wouldn't necessarily peg it right now to Deion Jackson being the guy. Is this a good opportunity to buy low on a Kareem Hunt or a um, – I just forgot his name – Leonard Fournette? Uh, I mean, it, it, you're obviously buying very low, so yeah. sure. You know, I, I was in a draft um, a couple weeks ago where uh, when, when the news happened that he, you know, backed out of signing with New Orleans and then decided to go, you know, check out Indianapolis. It was like my last pick. I think it was like a 16, 17-round draft. And I was like, okay, what the heck, you know, let's just see what happens. So – you know, if you're in a, a, a long-term keeper league, a dynasty league, you're doing a draft right now, he's one of your last picks. I can't fault you for that or just adding him because in case he does sign, you know, while he may be washed up at this point, uh, either one of those two guys, um, you're still talking about a chance for a significant volume, and that's hard to pass up. Uh, you mentioned Khalil Herbert. How do you feel about his stock, um, not only if he stays in Chicago? Like, obviously, uh, this Jonathan Taylor trade would impact it as well if he if Taylor did end up going to the Bears, but – Let's say it's just Herbert and Taylor doesn't go to Chicago. How do you feel about uh, Khalil Herbert? I mean, he's in a good spot. You know, of, of all running backs with at least 100 carries last year, he led the NFL at 5.7 yards per carry. He had a couple great moments last year when David Montgomery was banged up. Um, obviously, it's going to be a better offense in Chicago just by the addition of D.J. Moore, but I think a better Justin Fields. Uh, but I'm very intrigued by Roshan Johnson, so I don't think it's going to be a slam dunk that Khalil Herbert's getting all the touches that he automatically becomes a feature back. You know, I, I think if Roshan Johnson had a little bit more work in college, which is going to be tough to do playing behind, you know, one of the generational guys like potentially Bijan Robinson could be, um, I think Roshan's going to be a problem for, for Khalil Herbert. So those are my two favorite guys. I think Deontay Foreman's not going to go away, so he'll have some opportunities as well. So I think when you look at Khalil Herbert, you want to value him as maybe a low-end starter. You know, if you take a zero or hero RB approach where you're not necessarily focusing on running backs early, he could get some opportunities to help you early in the season. But I don't know if I want to make, you know, Khalil Herbert a week-in, week-out starter if I don't have to. So flex option, you know, again, depending on your roster build, he's not a bad number two running back if you need to. 
Uh, but I draft a lot of Roshan Johnson just with the potential of what he could be in that Bears backfield. Uh, CBS Sports fantasy football analyst Jamie Eisenberg joining us here on Sportsnet today. And Jamie, after Bijan, Gibbs, and JSN, there seems to be a noticeable drop in ceiling for this year's rookie class. How are you attacking this year's rookie drafts? Yeah, I would add two more guys, or you know, potentially three. Uh, I, I think, you know, especially now with uh, Jackson Smith and Jigbo with the wrist injury, um, who knows at what point he'll be 100% healthy. So this setback sucks because I do think there's a, a, a big ceiling for him. But Jordan Addison's in a great opportunity with Minnesota. You know, they they number three in pass attempts last year, uh, moving on from Adam Thielen. So there's 100-plus targets that are now available. And if, if Addison does what he's capable of doing, I know he's in the concussion protocol right now, uh, but he could easily be the number one rookie receiver. And then Zay Flowers could be the number one receiver in Baltimore. You know, you've heard nothing but great things out of his, you know, uh, training camp so far. And, you know, with Rashad Bateman getting off to a slow start with the foot injury and Odell Beckham being in his early 30s, you know, Flowers could be the guy that Lamar Jackson leans on. It's going to be a much better passing attack uh, in Baltimore also. And then, you know, aside from some of these other guys, again, like the Roshan Johnson, Zach Sharpening of the world, a guy could be a big difference maker. There's probably two of them, actually, the tight end position. Uh, Dalton Kincaid for the Bills and, and Sam Laporta for the Lions. He, again, nothing but rave reports. The Bills are essentially altering their offense to have more two tight end personnel on the field because of Kincaid, and they, they moved up in the NFL draft in the first round to get him from 27 to 25. And then Sam Laporta is going to be in that TJ Hawkinson role for the Lions. And I know that was somewhat frustrating for a lot of fantasy managers over the, year, uh, over the years, but last year before Hawkinson was traded to Minnesota, he was averaging six and a half targets per game. Any tight end that's getting north of six targets is a pretty good place to be. So for two late-round picks at that position where we know we're looking for just anybody to be a difference maker outside of the top two or three guys, uh, I take a lot of flyers on Dalton Kincaid and Sam Laporte, and I would recommend doing the same. Are there any guys in the second round of a rookie draft, maybe a Mims, um, Rashi Rice, any, any of these guys that you're drafting anywhere between 13 and, and 24 uh, that have really high ceilings that you're trying to, to key in on in a rookie draft? Yeah, you mentioned two of those receivers, and, you know, again, now that we're a little bit late in the process, it'll be interesting to see where, where a couple of running backs go that we're going in in the second round, uh, guys like Roshan Johnson and Tank Bigsby. Uh, so those guys may get pushed up now to the back end of the first round, depending on how deep your draft is. But those are two running backs that I would definitely look for. Uh, you mentioned, too, Mims and Rice, you know, just given the opportunities of where they're playing. You know, Mims is in, in, in a situation in Denver where they just lost Tim Patrick, and we know the offseason rumor was that the, the Broncos might have been looking to move on from one of, if not both, Cortland Sutton and, and Jerry Judy for the right price. So this is the guy that Sean Payton and this regime drafted. Uh, Rice could be, you know, tied to Patrick Mahomes for, you know, at least four or five years, which is a great place to be. Um, Jonathan Mingo is still somebody that I'm interested in. You know, the Carolina receiving core is obviously not um, with a lot of stars right now. Adam Thielen in his 30s. DJ Chark's been bouncing around a little bit, you know, so Mingo could be a guy that establishes himself right away. Uh, Tank Dell is somebody that I would be very interested in, you know, depending on what the price tag is. But for me, round two is, is a spot that I would look for him, you know, just because, again, new, new coach, new quarterback. Uh, C.J. Stroud may be leaning on Tank Dell for the next several years. So he's somebody I think that has some upside. Uh, Josh Downs for the Colts, you know, I think he's going to be a playmaker for Anthony Richardson, hopefully for uh, the next several years. So that's another receiver I think you can look at. And then, again, if you get past those top two tight ends, you know, Kincaid usually goes in the first round. Laporta does fall to the second round. Uh, Luke Musgrave is making a lot of plays for the Packers, and this is a young receiving core, and he's done great things so far in training camp. So Luke Musgrave is somebody that I'd be looking at, along with Jalen Reed as well, the receiver for Green Bay. We kind of talked about Jordan Addison and his opportunity in Minnesota. Uh, we get a text in on our text line, Marcus and Gibsons, wanted to ask if TJ Hawkinson in Minnesota could uh, make a jump this year. We all know who 
uh, the number one tight end is going to be, but could you see in an ideal world Hawkinson being that number two guy this year? Yeah, he's he's in the mix. You know, I I think Andrews, you know, from a tier perspective and, and a ranking perspective, for most people, he's going to be number two. He's number two for me. I actually have Hawkinson four just because I like to set up a little bit better for Darren Waller. But, you know, Hawkinson was great last year when he got traded to Minnesota. And, again, you're talking about Adam Thielen being gone. So the flip side of Jordan Addison is he's a rookie wide receiver, and if he doesn't take that next step, then maybe those 107 targets get distributed a little differently, and Hawkinson gets a little bit of a bump. It's a great you know offense to be in. We've seen Kirk Cousins throughout his tenure, uh, whether in Washington or Minnesota, lean on tight ends, not to the degree that you like, like a, like a Travis Kelsey, for example, uh, but he's definitely used his tight ends in the red zone. You go back to Kyle Rudolph, for example, you know those guys had some nice hookups. Um, and then last year with Hawkinson, the way they played as well. So um, I think once you get past Kelsey, it's kind of a little bit of a mixed bag. For me, it would be Andrews number two. But that next tier of guys, whether it's Hawkinson, Waller, Kittle, Goddard, uh, Pitts, they're all kind of mixed up depending on the rank list that you look at. Uh, Hawkinson's a top five guy for sure. Over at CBS Sports, you've keyed in on Devontae Adams and Mike Evans. There's a couple of guys that have big bust potential. What are some other uh, guys this year that uh, fantasy players should maybe try to avoid? I mean, a lot of it is based on cost. So you'll see in, in, in a, a bust column that I wrote recently, and I, I, it's published again today because we did a quarterback preview. Um, on our ADP, Patrick Mahomes going in the first round. He's my number one ranked quarterback, but if you're drafting him in round one, I think you're making a mistake because as we saw last year, there were two guys that were just as good as him in Jalen Hurts and Josh Allen, which you might be able to get around later. Um, and then I think we're going to see much better quarterback play you know, than we saw last year. You know, the two years prior to that, there were several guys that were over 24 fantasy points per game. Last year, there was only three. So, excuse me, four. So I, I think we'll see better quarterback play, which means you're passing up on some high-end talent to draft Mahomes in round one. And we know everybody likes to get those quarterbacks because they're safe and they're, you know, awesome. And you're probably going to win a lot of fantasy leagues by taking Patrick Mahomes in round one, but just not something that I'm comfortable with. So uh, he's a bust candidate for me. Um, Najee Harris is somebody that I'm starting to look to avoid. Uh, I think we're seeing, you know, uh, maybe the first time ever in a Mike Tomlin-run team, a split backfield where they're going to be two guys getting significant amount of work. Because I've been, you know, guys that have helped out, you know, the – the Willie Parkers, the Le'Veon Bells, the James Connors, but you know Najee Harris may have significant competition from Jalen Warren, who might be more explosive, and that could be bad news for uh, for a player like Najee. Um, Jonathan Taylor right now is somebody that I would look to avoid again in round two, just because of the situation. So he's someone that I don't tend to draft, and I've been burned by this for the last couple of years. But I'll say it again: you know, Derrick Henry's 29 years old. Um, he's an alien. He's an absolute freak of nature, an amazing player, amazing running back, and will probably be good again. But you know, history tells us once these guys get close to 30 and certainly over 27 years old, especially with all the work that he has, um, I'm not drafting him in round one uh, unless it's non-PPR, but even then I would probably prefer to get him in round two. And even the early part of round two makes me a little bit nervous. So splitting hairs on basically where his ADP is, but I don't draft a lot of Derrick Henry. Uh, so super flex drafts getting more and more popular. How do you approach the first round of a super flex draft? Do you, do you go and target a quarterback in round one? Or do you try to capitalize on those other positions falling to you? Yeah, I, I think it depends on where you draft. We actually did one of those drafts last night, and uh, the story will be published on CBSSports.com by the end of the day. Um, I had the first pick, so I took Mahomes. It was easy. Uh, but if you pick at the back end of round one and you're starting to play the board here, you're typically going to see, for the most part, eight quarterbacks go in the first round. Mahomes, Allen, Hurts, Burrow, Lamar Jackson, Justin Fields, uh, Trevor Lawrence, Justin Herbert. I think I got all eight. Um, those guys typically are, are going to be the, the first-round picks. And then it's a matter of, does somebody want to gamble on Tua, uh, Anthony Richardson, Deshaun Watson, Dak Prescott? You know, those are the next four guys that you'll typically go, maybe with an Aaron Rodgers or a Daniel Jones, one of those guys mixed in. But when you get to the back end of the first round, you could say, okay, 
I don't really love these quarterbacks because those eight guys might have been gone. So I'll take Justin Jefferson or Jamar Chase or Christian McCaffrey or Austin Eckler, and then I'll come back in round two, and I'll take what's left over of Tua or Richardson or Watson or Prescott, and then I'll just sort of figure out the second quarterback as I move along. Hopefully one of those high-end number two guys is able to slip. But I, I like to get two quarterbacks early. Um, in this draft that I referenced you know, from last night, I took Mahomes in round one. Daniel Jones at the two-three turn. This is four points for passing touchdowns. So uh, the rushing prowess of Daniel Jones is, is, is alluring. Um, I love to get three quarterbacks usually by round seven or round eight, but again, you just want to play the board. And it's not a bad idea to take four quarterbacks just because that capital is so important. You can maybe make a trade or two throughout the course of the season. Jamie, appreciate you taking the time and uh, enjoy the lead up to uh, the season. I appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Have a good day. He is Jamie Eisenberg, Thanks, Jamie. fantasy football and NFL analyst for CBS Sports. You can follow him on Twitter at Jamie with a Y Eisenberg. He's the best. I love Jamie. He's great. Uh, really helpful. Really knowledgeable guy. Yeah, and uh, you can find his rankings at cbssports.com. A lot of drafts coming up this weekend, and uh, I would assume most of them next weekend. If you're yeah, mine to... is next Friday, yeah. September 1st. That's probably best. Sometimes it's just it's hard to align schedules. You yeah. Know? So we had to do this Sunday. And I have an engagement party before. It's a whole thing. Yeah. So I had to had to push it back to late, but that's fine. Uh, 650, Our work one is uh... – we still don't have a date. No. It's weird. We'll panic and have it the date. Apparently, before it's a season. $25 buy in, though, so there's finally stakes. Wow. Good for us. Uh, 650, 650, Dunbar Lumber text line. Uh, keep your texts coming in. We got a lot on Elias Pettersson, and I did want to get back into that conversation. Oh, already? Yes. You don't want to talk fantasy football with me? Mainly because. Man. You think, you think Elias Pettersson likes family, fantasy football? There, there's probably. your Elias Pettersson content. They probably have a. What do you think Elias Pettersson takes first overall? He's a. He seems like a, a smart Travis guy, Kelsey. So guy. I would say a Justin Jefferson, probably. You think? I, I don't think so. he likes the Vikings. Well, I don't think I like him. Then. Uh, <laughs> anyway, there was it's the ironic reason because Vikings are usually from Sweden, Sweden, or Nordic countries. Yeah. Um, what I want the reason I want to get back into the Pedersen talk because you're because a, you just love talking about negative Ian, things. Ian McIntyre <laughs> posted an article. On Sportsnet.ca. I want to talk fantasy football, I'm Josh. very aware. We have lots of show left. We can maybe get back into it later. I feel like a parent where my it's show, like, hey, my show, behave my show. now and you'll get rewarded later. Um, But so we saw the quote that IMAC tweeted out. We sure did. And it was expanded on by Pat Brisson in the article. And so here's the, here's the full quote from Pat Brisson. He says that Elias Pettersson told him that Pettersson wants to focus on his game and he wants to focus on the Vancouver Canucks being better. You know, there's been a lot of changes lately, and I think we all owe it to ourselves to just, you know, go in and do the best we can. Uh, he continues, there's a lot more media attention in Canada, right? And you don't want it to become a distraction. The main focus will be for him to perform and hopefully him and the team will be in a better place this year. It's more that than anything else. And to evaluate, both sides can evaluate. Let's all sit down at the end of the year and explore where we're at. So the key part to me from that little uh, expansion on is the quote. Is that he doesn't want it to become a distraction. That's part of it. Oh. So if he doesn't want to. A, Why don't he, you sign a contract then, Elias, if you don't <laughs> want it to become a distraction? That's the thing. That would that would make it not a distraction. Because it's definitely going to be a distraction. But <laughs> You don't say. Does that, especially for the media and the fans. Yeah. 
But I think that distraction, we talked about it in the first segment, that distraction plays into Elias Pettersson and Pat Brisson's negotiation uh, tactics. tactics as opposed to, like, the Canucks don't want the distraction. No. I don't think Pettersson – well, look, I, I don't think Pettersson wants the distraction. Yeah, and the I last time say, this happened, he came into the season without a contract. He had an awful start to the yeah, year. It was rough. And everyone ragged on him. Yeah. So maybe, hey, maybe he does want to get it done before the season. But I wonder if he's a more confident Pedersen now and he's like, you know what? That's not gonna happen yeah, this time. He really time. had a glow up. Yeah. Now he has all the self confidence in the world. Yeah. Uh he's like me when I talk about literally any sport yeah. that I could play. I can kick a field goal. Uh, surely. Um you, but yeah. the other part. The main focus will be for him to perform. Hopefully, him and the team will be in a better place this year. It's more that than anything else. Yeah. I'm not reading into that. You're not reading into That's that? That's natural. Not reading into that. Hopefully, the team and him will be in a better place this year. What an obvious statement to make. Sure. Like, but what like, do you want him to But also, say? at the same time, it's like, hey... The team better be no, better. No, that's I don't know. you're just reading I into that know. way too much. What is he supposed to say? It doesn't matter how the team does this year. We want to stay in Vancouver eight years. No one's gonna say that. I mean, if they were close on negotiations, they might be like, "Hey, like he wants to stay in Vancouver," um, and you, like you don't have to mention really the team being in a better place. If that's if that's more important than the money, which that seems to be, then... Yeah, but that's natural. Yes. Of course they want the team to be in a better place. Okay, they but... haven't been very good. Exactly. So what if they're bad again? What if they start bad again? Yeah, that's going to play into things. Of course it is. And it but would it's probably not... result in negotiations, A, either being much more difficult, or B... I don't think him it's leaning towards a shorter term extension. Just give him all the money. Yeah, but it, the reason, like, he's going to get all the money wherever he goes. Depends. You know? What do you mean depends? It depends. What does it depend on? On where he goes and the cap situation of the team he goes to. No. Teams wherever he goes to. No, that's not true. Wherever he goes to, he's going to get paid. There's no team that's going to be like, hey, we can only give you $6 million, and well, he's, and he's going to be like, okay. If we only have $6 million in cap space, we can't give no, you more than that. <laughs> yes, but teams <laughs> just make room for someone like Elias Patterson because he's not going to go to a team for $6 million. He's going to go to a team and be like, 13. hey, I want 11 and a half or 12 and they're going to be like, oh, Elias Patterson, you want to play for our team? Sure, we'll make it work. Vegas has done it several times. Yeah, they have. Um. And a lot more teams would be like, hey, we're already competitive. We could bring you in. You can maybe be the number two center and an, uh, uh, an elite number two center behind the guy we already have, and we're going to win a cup. And Pedersen might take less money to go there, but he's still going to want a crap ton of money. He's going to get paid yeah, by yeah. the Canucks. He's going to get paid by whatever team he goes to. And I agree. I think it's going it's to, going be, to the, be the Canucks. I he's an RFA. He's going to sign with the Canucks. And he's not going to sign a one-year deal. And if he does, I will eat a tray of lasagna. <laughs> Family size? Family size tray of lasagna. I Look, again, I, I'm... I, that is such fear-mongering, dude. I'm not he's trying not, to... He's not walking the team to arbitration only to sign a one-year deal so he can I, walk I agree. I don't agency. think it's going to be a one-year deal, but I'm equally as concerned about a three-year deal. I'm not. 
a three-year deal to me is like, okay, this is like once you reach the end of that, you better be competing. Yeah. You but as be- someone who's a fan of the team and has to cover it daily as a producer and I go to the games, of course you want the team to do well. That, yeah. that expands further than just Pedersen. Yes. Every, look, everyone in the, the city The window covering- is like you want Pedersen to sign for seven or eight years. Heck, six, seven years. Right? But everyone in this town is kind of sick of this team being in the middle. It's time to win. Right? Or trade the guy. But yeah. they're not going to do that. All I'm saying is... So, yeah, I would hope that in the next three years, they're in the playoffs and making noise. Yes. I, I that's, agree. That's just such an obvious statement. Yes. But w- what I'm saying is, if they're not, then that leads you to a different conversation. Well, if they're not, then you really have to consider trading. Yes. And that I guess my point as well is, if he does sign a short-term extension and that's more likely yeah you gotta you gotta consider the trade option but again like i feel like i am exaggerating this to a point and i want to be clear i do think he's going to sign in vancouver i like on a scale of one to ten of how concerned i am that he's not going to resign yeah so a month ago i said i was like not concerned i was probably at a two okay because it hadn't been done so one is not like zero concern ten is ten is ten is like he's leaving yeah i'm probably at like a four and a half bro Maybe a five. It's not fear-mongering. That's not fear-mongering. That's like a, hey, I'm more concerned than I was previously. It's like a 3.2 right now. I don't know. I don't know how different our scales are. Uh, it is Fortinet today. Do you think TJ Hawkinson's a top two tight end in the National Football I do. League? Honestly, I'm going to draft him in a lot of leagues, I think. Because so I, I am very high on TJ Whoever's Hawkinson. in Josh's fantasy football league, snipe TJ Hawkinson. Or bid him up if you're in an auction draft. I don't think I'm in any auction ones this year. So well, aren't we in the a, 650 league? I think it's just, uh, just oh, a snake lame. draft. I prefer a snake draft. Lame. Hockey, I prefer an auction. Football, I like a, I like a snake. Uh, it is Sportsnet today. Josh Elliott Wolf. Patterson likes snake drafts. Dominic Schumatti. Are you calling him a snake? No. Fear-mongering <laughs> on Sportsnet 650. <laughs> Holy. Uh, 650, 650. Dunbar Lumber text line. Keep your texts coming in. Uh, it is Sportsnet today. Josh Elliott Wolf. Dominic Schumatti on Sportsnet 650. Sportsnet today. Josh Elliott, Wolf, Dominic Schmatty on Sportsnet 650. Uh, keep your texts coming in. 650-650. Dunbar Lumber text line. Dunbar Lumber with three stores to serve you in Ladner on Bridge Street. Dunbar Lumber Express at Ladner Center. Or Arbutus in Vancouver online at DunbarLumber.com. And we are coming to you live from the Kintec studio. Kintec Footwear and Orthotics. Canada's favorite orthotics provider. Supported by over 2,500 five-star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at kintech.net so in the break i was talking to you and uh i think i was last time i was hosting i was with faber and we were talking about this quite a bit as well um i'm in this like fantasy music league Mm -hmm. it's an app called music league Mm -hmm. um and essentially what it is is it's similar to fantasy football i would say where every week you set your lineup whatever and you either win the week whatever like you know how fantasy football works. Yes. Um, this one, essentially once a day, there's around 30 rounds, you're given a prompt. 
where you got to submit a song that fits that prompt. And it's a, like, for me, it's with 10 of my friends and we all vote anonymously on what the best submission was. And then eventually at the end of the 30 oh. rounds, we see who has the most votes. I like that. So right now I got to think of a song that I would bring to a deserted island. Text 650-650 Dunbar number text line. Songs you would bring to a deserted island. The thing is, I don't, like, there are, There have been better prompts. Like, last one was songs that aren't well-known but should be. Ooh. That's a good one. Yeah. Deserted Island, I'm like, do, do I just pick my favorite song? That no. I, I think you do, though. No. Like, a song that you can keep listening to over, over, and over. Well, that's just the thing. You listen to any song over and over and over again, you're going to get sick of it. But I think the point of it is, like, this one you listen to a lot, yeah. and you don't get sick of it. And I gotta, I gotta figure out what that is. I wouldn't want to do me. that to one of my favorites, though, because that that would be my worry. Sure. In that case, I also don't know how to grade it for other people. Right. I guess I'm just like, yeah, you I grade like it this for song. yourself. Yeah. We'll see. Yeah. We'll see. That's how. Uh, now, now I'm one in on this. It's it's hard to because you got to have a decent group of people. Otherwise, like if it's only a few people, so you don't get the right amount of votes. It's a whole thing um but it is fun i will say i've enjoyed it more than i thought i would there are moments where man it's like there was a there was a stretch there was a whole drama segment in our uh in our league where one person is a really big fan of eminem and we all kind of figured it out at the same time and uh whoever submitted an eminem song would just get like 10 votes we had to put a stop to it so now there's no eminem clause in our in our group unless it really fits um but yeah, it is fun. It is fun. Uh, keep your text coming in, 650-650 on the Dunbar Lumber text By line. By the way, September, Earth, Wind, and Fire. That is a good one. Oh, Message in a Bottle. That's a good one. Yeah, that's, that's a, a good, good submission. Island the, uh, in the Sun, good one. Yeah, Maybe Beers, I go that route. Beers in Sunshine, Darius Rutger. From Kevin and Surrey. Yeah, that's yeah. a good one. Anything from Morgan Wallen or Luke Holmes. <laughs> it is a bunch of people from Chilliwack, so yeah. I assume it would hit. Uh, 650, 650, Dunbar Lumber text line. Keep your text coming in. Oh, it, you know what it'd be? Chicken Fried by uh, Zach Bryan. Or Luke, uh, yeah, Zach Bryan. Hmm. I think, yeah. Uh, it is time for the five W's. Want to get to it now. Hit the music. Love that song. So the five W's, usually we do it to start the show. There was a more pressing topic. As we all know, except for one person in the text line. Um, five W's. Who, what, when, where, why. And generally, we go around the world of sports. Today, there is a Canucks theme to it. Fantasy football. <laughs> it's all fantasy football all the time. There's a few Canucks ones, and we'll get into some baseball talk later as well. We'll start with the Canucks stuff, though. First one is, this is a Dom submission. Yeah. Why can't we have nice things in Vancouver? Because no one can look at things with a level head. Everyone comes at news with this dramatic, oh, woe is me. Vancouver is the worst place for sports. You sound like Jason you have such Bruff, a level head right Sad now. club. You know, the second Elias Patterson says anything other than I want to stay here long term, it's, oh, no, he's leaving. Everybody calm down. This is why we can't have nice things in Vancouver. It's because the second anyone says anything, it's it's awful. Oh no. Oh no. Panic. Oh panic. no. Oh no. Panic, panic. That's us. 
That that's is Vancouver. A, tell me that's not Vancouver. Okay. I This city, I this sports fan base in this in this city are awful. Things go off the rails awful. at times. People go overboard. I will acknowledge that. That being said, a lot of things just go wrong for this team. And at a certain point, it's like, man, maybe you should just expect those things to go wrong. Maybe we can't have nice things. Yes. That's true. Don't allow ourselves to But that doesn't to be take happy. away from the fact that, like, even when, like, the slightest thing goes wrong, it's massive news in this city. Well, yeah, this, it's the Canucks, man. We're, we're uh, got one major sport in the city. If a, if a toilet breaks at Rogers Arena, we're like, oh, no! What does I mean, this mean for Pedersen's future? <laughs> it's like, what are we doing here? A toilet breaking in Rogers Arena is a concern, though. Not for, not for Pedersen. Well, I mean, if it's Pedersen's toilet. I don't know. Maybe so, that's part of his contract. Unsigned text. Sign your text, coward. Uh, you guys fuel the talk with nonstop talk about it. Well, we are a sports talk radio station, and the Vancouver Canucks are the main team in town. When Elias Pedersen says words anywhere, we are going to talk about it. Especially when it's August 23rd. Some of us are going to fearmonger, and some of us will try and calm you down. You know, that's just that's just our role. Generally, I'm on the here. calm you down train. Today, I'm a uh, fear I wouldn't say fearmonger. Oh, yes, you are. I, I would not say fearmonger. I would say slightly concerned. That's where I'm at. Slight concern. I'm, I'm on a 6.9 on the concern. I'm perturbed. I'm, yes, I'm dubulating. <laughs> I'm unforgivably concerned. Uh, unforgettably. Ah, right. Yes. Right. Uh, unforgivable question. camp experience. Yes. <laughs> uh, what would the lack of an Elias Patterson extension do to the start of this Canucks season? So if the contract it would light extension, a fire under the teams behind. Would it spur them to victory? <laughs> Let's do it for Pedersen, boys. Let's do it for his contract. Let's just pass to him. The boy needs to get paid. Let's help him get paid. Let's get him an extra mil. JT Miller comes in, does the starting lineup. And number... What's this? He's 40? And number 40, going into a lame duck year. (laughs) Elias Pedersen, let's do it for the boy. Yeah, no. What would it do? Um, Well, in this city, it would cause a distraction. Yes. And again, I keep going back to this. You can't go into a season again with any sort of distraction. And, like, I'm fine if we're going into a season being like, who's the third-line center going to be? Who's going to play with Quinn Hughes this year? That's fine. That's expected. I completely get it. I enjoy those conversations. I will say I enjoy this Pedersen conversation as well. But it's just, like, can we not just go into a season just – Normal. Just do something normal. So here's the thing about that, right? I agree with you, but I would much rather go into a season talking about a player's contract extension than going into a season talking about how, like, oh, the president and the coach aren't getting along, and the Canucks on a you know on a on a on a league-wide level are looked at as an embarrassing franchise for how they're handling the Boudreaux situation. <laughs> uh, yeah, last year was definitely worse. That to me. This is a win. This is a win for Vancouver Canucks fans and this team and this city. We're finally just focusing on the team and its players. You know what would be. That to me is normal. This is normal. We're having a normal start to the season. Even if they lose, at least we're talking about the hockey. 
folks. That's that's you that's know, the important thing. You know what would be even better? A win? Well, I guess a win. Ten and zero. Ten. Yeah, I just want them to lose in a dip. Like if they're gonna lose this year, lose in a different way. Spectacular. Start, start the year hot and flame out at the end. I would love that. That would be fine. Oh, I'd pre- I'd prefer you make the playoffs, but if you're gonna miss them, do it that way. Get to the Christmas break with like ten games over five hundred with some hope and oh, not just hope. Dare to like, dream. The window's open, folks. They're going for it this year. <laughs> they're buying at the deadline. And then by March, they're ten games under five hundred, and everyone's oh. like, "What happened?" You know, there's going to be the segment of, of fans that if they if they were in a playoff spot, yeah. buying at the deadline, maybe not huge ads. Betting was right. Well, no, <laughs> they'd be like, "Why are you adding at the deadline? Oh. This team isn't good enough." Yeah, and it's like, guys, trade Pedersen, trade Hughes. I will say, it would just be wonderful if there was a surprise Elias Patterson contract announcement before the regular season starts. They're like, yeah. "Hey, we hashed it out. We figured it out." It was all tactics. We were just negotiating. To be the fair, media. like the Miller thing, like everyone was like, "Oh no, it's not gonna happen." And then on one random day, Bick double ticked it, like double looked at his phone, and Miller was signed. I remember that day. I was producing. I was about to be off. I was about to go away for the weekend. I think because it was a Friday. Then I had to stay longer. And the worst part of that day is I did not bring enough food. That was a tough day for yeah. old, for old Josh Elliott. around the corner. Yeah, but it, uh, it was all hands on deck yeah, when yeah, JT yeah. Miller signed. Yeah, you know how it would Uber be. Eats. You know how it would be. Uber Eats. Um, we have the technology. Should I'll we go, go to where? Where? Yes. Yeah. Where will Elias Pettersson sign? The New Jersey Devils. Dude, oh, could you imagine? Quinn Hughes. They have no Elias Pettersson. Jack it, Hughes. It would never work. But what if Pettersson was the one that went to New Jersey instead of Quinn Hughes? He'll turn. Yeah. No, he's signing in Vancouver. He's signing he's, in Vancouver. Whatever he gets offered, if he ever gets to a point where he's an RFA, Canucks are going to math. Yes. He's signing in Vancouver. I Again, I agree. Where will he get traded to? I'll, I'll put an end to the fear-mongering. I think he would get traded to L.A. He likes a big city. New York. We talked about this. I don't think he's going to Florida. It would be hard to think of a – it would really depend on, like, where teams are at and the yeah. standings and – that's way too much to project. Man, Pedersen and oh, Pedersen in Toronto. Ugh. Oh my. Yucky. Don't want that. That's a big city. It is a big city. A lot you, of attention. You could get a lot in a trade for Pedersen from Toronto. Well, you could get a lot. That's the other part. Is the uh, ooh, think of the picks, guys. <laughs> That's I what we love in say, Vancouver. We love picks. The rebuild side is like, man. Imagine how many picks and prospects you could get. Imagine getting Mitch Marner. Oh, okay. Well, then uh, what's the point? Or we trade for another Swede. Willie we, Neal- Willie Nylander. I don't know what's going on with you right now. Uh, 650-650, <laughs> Dunbar Lumber text line. I'm being facetious. Uh, this one, for sure Columbus. Oh, yeah. Him and Johnny, lighten it up. Just at an Ohio State Buckeye game. That would be, uh, that'd be a weird spot to go. But, I mean, Columbus is always, like, a weird spot to go for anybody. Unless you're from Columbus. Wow. There goes our Columbus listener. (laughs) Johnny from Columbus is really (laughs) mad right now. I like it here. Um, Calgary sucks. (laughs) Next question. Moving off of Patterson. You didn't give an answer. Where will he sign? I said Vancouver. 
No, no, no. But like, okay, but where would he get traded? Where to? would he get traded to? If it wasn't Vancouver, I think he would go to the. I I do want to say the Rangers, but I know their cap situation is just way too poor for that. The Boston Bruins. Sneaky though, like that could be. That would be a fan. Cam Neely 2.0. Oh, hold on. Chicago Blackhawks. Oh, yes. He's going With to Connor Chicago. Bernard, yeah, him, no, and, him and Connor Bedard. 100%. Yeah, he's going to yeah. light it up. Yeah. Elias Patterson, where is he getting traded to? Connor Bedard's Chicago Blackhawks. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Next question. question. Yeah. Um, Chicago. Moving off of <laughs> da, 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 the Patterson da, 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 da. talk. Golly, that would be annoying. Um, when will the Seattle Mariners slow down? They're not going to. This train has no brakes. No. It is the Seattle Mariners, and they are here, and they are coming for the AL West title. Yeah, they're – look, they have an easy schedule. We talked about this already this week. And uh, the Texas Rangers, apparently. Are so bad right now. Yeah. They've lost six in a row, three and seven in their last ten. Meanwhile, the Seattle Mariners have won eight in a row. They lost the two before that, so they're eight and two in their last ten. They are half a game back of Houston, one game back of Texas, who, again, is leading the AL West right now. But we talk about the Mariners train having no brakes. The Rangers right now, they have no wheels. It is all falling off. Um, Houston, just hovering. Yeah. Houston, I will say, is uh, they're playing decent. Like, I still think they're going to make the playoffs. Defending World Series champions, unfortunately. But, again, I would love it if the Astros did not make the playoffs the year after they won the World Series. That would be nice. Any year the Astros don't make the playoffs is a win for me. Yes. Remember Um, how bad they used to be? Yeah. For so many years. When they had a they had a ramp in their outfield. Yeah. What was up with that? I loved it, but and there was a pole in the ramp. And they switched leagues. Who thought that was a good idea? No one. I mean they did. Houston, yeah. It was pretty sick. Like I'll give them that, but just stupid. Yeah. It's something I would do in like there was MLB a warning, the show. There was a warning track for the hill. Yeah, it's like, hey, you're about to have to go on an yeah. incline. <laughs> Turned so ankles dumb. everywhere. Um, but Seattle Mariners also doing it without Julio Rodriguez yeah. in the last two games. He's back in today, by the way. An hour from now, or 45 minutes-ish, you're going to be able to hear that game. 55 minutes. On Sportsnet 650. Yeah, uh, 11-10 first pitch, if we want to get exact. We'll start the broadcasting at 11 o'clock, though. Um, Mariners going for the sweep of the White Sox. Of the Chicago White Sox. And uh, this is, I will say, they're half a game back of Houston. The Mariners have a game in hand. So this is the, it's not the game in hand because uh, Houston plays today. But just keep that in mind when you're looking at the standings. The Mariners are just, they are on one right now. What's the most irrelevant franchise in baseball? Uh, I can't even say Oakland because they're relevant. They are very relevant. uh, I want to say the Kansas City Royals. No, they just went to a World Series not long ago. I mean, not long ago. It's like almost a decade ago. In the last decade. Um, Pittsburgh Pirates. Miami Marlins. No. what, What do you think? Detroit Tigers. Yeah, I guess. I just don't think of them. Every once in a while, I'll see, like, a Miguel Cabrera highlight, and I'm like, oh, that's nice. Oh, right. The Detroit Tigers exist. He's still playing. Um, yeah. Yeah, I guess that's that's one of them. I would still, like, for me, I'm still leaning Kansas City. That's, uh... Yeah. 
Arizona, Arizona's up there as well, but they're in the playoffs right now, so maybe that's uh They had a hot start this yeah, year. Yeah, and they are probably about to fall out of the playoff picture. Minnesota Twins, too. I know they're good. I got a soft spot for any Minnesota team. I know though. you do. But, like, no one talks about Minnesota. Uh, this one, Milwaukee. The Brewers are coming. Oh, up. yeah. Yeah. It's got to be a team that we just. Yeah, exactly. A team we don't even think of. The Milwaukee Brewers. It's not like they're leading the NL Central or anything. Sure. But is the NL Central good? No, it's awful. Exactly. Uh, 650, 650. What's the last one? Dunbar Lumber Text Line. Um, the last question of the five W's is who will fall out of the AL wildcard race to make room for the Blue Jays? Nah, the Blue Jays. The Blue Jays, by the way, so we were talking about the Mariners. They are one game up on the Jays. The Mariners still in the third wildcard spot right now. The Jays. It's tight. One game back. Um, It is tight. To quote a local owner, so tight. Almost like a playoff race. Um, the Tampa Bay Rays are in the first wild card spot. They're four and a half games up. So they're kind of I don't want to say they're they're safe. They have a nice cushion. They four and a half games is a nice cushion. Yes. Houston, Seattle, Texas are the teams I look at. Yeah. Seattle with their schedule. I am I'm just ultra confident that they're going to win the division. And so I just I they're not even on the radar for me in terms of teams that aren't going to make the playoffs. So it comes down to Houston or Texas. And down the stretch, we mentioned it a few days ago, Seattle plays Texas seven times. Yeah. Those are going to be super important games. And right now, it doesn't look like the Mariners are in any position to lose those series. Or are they getting hot at the wrong time? Like they're getting hot at the right time. Like maybe too soon. Maybe it's too early. Mm. That's if that's what you're saying. I don't think it is. I think this is something you can ride. Well, I guess it's like we're still a month and a half out. Meredith's country. Let's ride. It might might be too early. But if I had to pick, I'm going to say the Texas Rangers are falling out of the playoffs. The Blue Jays are going to make it in. No. I know where the home of the Blue Jays. I just hate Toronto. <laughs> no. I hate the Jays. No, the Jays will not make no. it. So are you saying Texas will still make the playoffs, but as a wild card? I think it'll come down to the last. You know what's going to – this is what's going to happen, okay? It's going to come down to the last game of the season. Mm-hmm. Uh, Toronto is going to be down two runs, let's say, okay? And they are uh, – like a, they have to win to make the playoffs. It's going to be like Vladdy at bat or someone like that at bat. They're playing the Rays in Toronto on a Sunday, October right. 1st that day. Right. So they're like they're going to have to win that game. It'll be the ninth inning. They need this. They need the two runs to, to win the game, and they're going to leave guys stranded because that's what the Jays do, and they're going to lose, and they're not going to make the playoffs. It would be poetic. And what I will say about that day, because we're talking about the Rangers, we're talking about the Mariners. The Mariners play the Rangers in Seattle. Sunday, October 1st as well, because every team plays that day. They play, I believe it's, oh, they all play at the same time that day as well. So not only will Jays fans, it's tough It's tough to project because maybe it'll look completely different by the time we get there. But if things shake out the way I kind of expect them to shake out, it'll be like one TV on the, on the, Jay, or on the Mariners-Rangers game. Well, if you have MLB at bat. Picture and picture. Picture and picture. We got two TVs in here. And we have two TVs. I'm just going to come in here on a Sunday just to watch 
both yeah. TVs. Oh, and then I guess football would also be happening that day. Oh, man. Busy day. Busy day. Sorry, honey. I can't go to the farmer's market with you because there's sports on TV. Yeah. Have you done that before? Well, I uh, she never asked me to go to farmer's market. Wow, lucky. Mainly because we're bad at shopping. Grocery <laughs> shopping. <laughs> um, is this banana ripe? Why is it so brown? <laughs> it's fine. It's, it, it, hey. I can make banana bread with That's this. That's a banana bread. Banana. <laughs> I Why is the banana bread banana always stuck in the freezer for like six years? No, I'm going to make banana bread eventually. <laughs> and when I do. I learned a tip the other day. When your bananas get brown, peel them before putting them in the freezer. Nice. So then you don't got to worry about like it's hard to peel yeah, once yeah, you take yeah. them out of the freezer. That That's a, smart. It is smart. Maybe put them in a Ziploc bag. I don't, I don't know. Yeah, you don't want loose banana. No, a loose banana. <laughs> a loose banana. You don't want loose banana. Um, you got to keep that stuff locked down. So what are you? Are you saying the Jays are not going to make the playoffs? I'm saying the Jays aren't going to make the playoffs. And the the Rangers will. Yeah. Okay. The only way the Jays are going to make the playoffs is if the Astros don't. So the other day you were saying that because I was like, hey, I'm confident the Mariners are going to catch up. They're going to win the AL West. Yeah. That's looking real good right it now. It is. Are you on that train now? More, more and more every day, yeah. More do, and more every day. Do you just day. not want to commit fully because you didn't agree with me the other no, day? No, no, I'll support the local word. team. They're, they're in the AL, so it's easier to cheer for them. You know, Noted they're not directly, They're not directly impacting my Phillies, so it's like, okay, yeah, you could do good. Go do good. You have the nice jerseys. I will say, even as a, like, I... I You're wearing a Mariners hat. I label I myself a Jays fan, but I still... You wear many hats. Yeah, Any so anytime I go to a major league ballpark i get a hat yeah and then i'll wear them just as as one does yeah but uh wearing a mariner's hat today because of the hot streak um but even as a self-proclaimed jays fan i will still root for the the mariners to do oh, well rough wait so last year when they played the it was a divisional series wild card yeah wild card uh who did you, who did I'll, you no, for? I'll root for the jays okay but and the other That's thing that, get, look, that gets me upset, though, is when Mariners fan, Vancouver Mariners fans get all uppity about, like, everyone here should be a Mariners fan because it's closer. I mean, yeah. I I just disagree. You're a fan of the team you're a fan of. Yeah. And I'm not going to I'm not gonna judge anyone for being a Mariners fan, just like I don't think it should, should happen the other way. It It's funny because it's like – if you have the choice between the Jays and the Mariners and you live in Vancouver, you should pick the Mariners. But if you are a fan of another team in the league, it's okay because it's not Toronto. <laughs> yeah. You got a double standard here. Yeah. Uh, those are the five W's. Thank you for your text coming in. 650-650 Dunbar Lumber text line. We'll keep it going on the other side. Uh, by we, the way, we have to talk about something on the other side that you said about uh, producer Victor Goucher. Yeah. Gaucher. And Gaucher, sorry. Don't worry. And, um, yeah. It's okay. It was it, where you got the gall, I have no idea. The gall? The gumption. <laughs> anyway, we'll talk about that on the other side. Stones. It is Sportsnet today. Josh Elliott Wolf, Dominic Ceramity. Stop! Sportsnet 650.
back to Sportsnet today. Josh Elliott Wolf, Dominic Shramity. I can't say your name properly. Shra. Shramat. Matt. E. I've said it before multiple times. Yeah, and then you said it once incorrectly, and now we're on this train. <laughs> now I'm off. Shramity, Saren Rappi, Salamantry, Goucher. I don't, I don't have that problem. Elliot Wolf. For me, it's a. Uh, yeah. I've, I've never gotten a mispronunciation. I get it misspelled a lot. Yeah. Especially in this industry where Elliot Friedman is the, he is the most popular Elliot. And so people put a lot of E's at the end of my last name. And it's fine. I get over it. Um, but it is Josh Elliot Wolf and Dominic Shramdy. No, I did it again. Really? Dominic Shramdy. The E's at the end of Wolf, which confuses a lot of people. I yeah. Think. Yeah, that's true. People will put it at the end of Elliot and not the end of Wolf. It's a whole thing. Uh, 650-650, Dunbar Lumber text line. Keep your texts coming in. So what Dom teased before the break. Oh, this this had me incensed. Yeah. So what I am known for, for some reason, here at Sportsnet. Lasagna. Lasagna A. B is being irrationally confident that. In your sporting ability. Yes. Not that I would be like. I'm never going to say I'm NFL level or MLB level. Uh, I've never said that. I would never say that. Okay, when someone says I could make a 25-yard field goal on an NFL field. No, I, I said I can make a 35-yard field oh, goal. Oh, 30, sorry, 35-yard With field no goal. blockers, like, and not on the first attempt. Like, I'll sit there for a bit. Right. And eventually I'll hit one. I feel like that's not crazy. I have a baseline of athleticism that I can do that. And, uh, and we all don't believe that. Sure. Um, in the break, our producer, Victor Gaucher. I know how to pronounce his name. Thank um, you. Gaucher. <laughs> we call him Gu- uh, Gucci. We were <laughs> Gucci man. I think just you do. We were talking well, when about he first soccer. Show- when we first showed up, we all thought it was Gucci. True. And you yeah. weren't the first and you won't yeah, be the last. won't be I'm the sure. last. Uh, we were talking about soccer because uh, Victor and Dom both uh, play soccer. Play soccer. Regularly. Victor is a goalkeeper. Yeah. I do not like – look, I, I played soccer in high school. To I be did. fair, he said, play me one-on-one, bro. Yeah, yeah. Victor incited the challenge. Yeah. And I was I like – Do not lie, Victor. You said, play me one-on-one, bro. He asked how many shots he could score. No, that was that, after. That was after. That no. was after. Yes, it was. Yeah, because I was dribbling this ball. Regardless. And I was like, yeah, okay. 1v1 me, on. bro. Ah, damn. It came back. Anyway, so he's a goalkeeper. And I was like, out of 10 shots, how many penalty kicks do you think I could and score? And what did you say? What did I say or what yeah. did Victor say? What did you say? I said at least five. Under, for sure. Under. Under. I don't think I I don't think you hit the net on all five. Hope or on all ten. <laughs> what? <laughs> I think you're missing the net completely how bad on two do you or think three. I am. I don't See, you have no like baseline for how good or bad I am at soccer. I think you toe punt the ball. Oh, no way, dude. Laces. Come on. Inside of the foot. I know how to play soccer, guys. Like, I don't know if you do. I have a baseline of soccer knowledge. I don't watch soccer, but I know how to play soccer. And really? so I know that I can score at least five goals. Imagine first first go up, he panankas you, and you're just like, oh, my confidence is shook. <laughs> I would resign. Do you know what a panenka is? Is that is that where – I'm going to give out two guesses here. Wow. Second ones are a bone, I bet. Yeah. 
I don't like this anymore. Uh, the first one would be like a chip kind of that like he's going one way and I chip it and it just kind of like goes in slowly. Is that? Is but that where is it going in slowly? Middle. What's the What's the second? What's guess? the second guess? Was that it? We're not going to tell you. Okay. What's the second, the second one was where you're like running up and you kind of stutter step, and you and then you kind of get him off balance and then you shoot. It's the stutter step. <laughs> What's the stutter step one called? It's the stutter step. That's the panenka. Is it? Yeah. Oh, okay. Are you lying to me? The, the chip is called a rabona. Oh, yeah. okay. No, they're reversed. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what's going on. But I, I was right about one of them, correct? Yeah. Okay. You should so, have more anyway, faith in yourself. That's my baseline of uh, soccer. Knowledge. I think you would, you would score on three PKs out of ten. Because Victor's that good of a goalkeeper. Yeah, I will say I also haven't seen you well, keeping the net. He's a college-level athlete. Well, Dom also hasn't seen me play, so you don't know where my baseline of athleticism yeah, is. What if I, I know what the baseline is for someone who plays at your level, buddy. Trust me. What if I've I'm seen it enough? Secretly, like I just. What if I'm a college-level shooter? Secretly? Secretly. What if I don't even know it about myself? Well, you have worked at SFU. Yeah, back in the day, yeah. but no longer. Maybe that's what you meant by working at SFU. Maybe you were just playing a sport professionally. (laughs) I was just kicking soccer You were getting paid a scholarship. Were you my goalkeeper coach? Yeah, that was me. I knew you looked familiar. That's how I know I can beat you. Um, 650-650. Dunbar Lumber text line. Do you think – and it's always so hard to because, like, nobody can see me right now. Yeah. Do you think a almost six-foot-tall, semi-athletic 25-year-old can score five out of ten shots on a college keeper. On a college keeper, no, I think so. What I also a washed think... college keeper. You're being modest. Someone is paying you to play soccer right now. I am trying to hype Josh up. Yeah, Wait, let's. Not I don't do need that. any more hype. No, I'm already hyped up. <laughs> we got to do this though. We'll do this eventually. I also got to do my kick. What too. are you more confident in? Being able to score more than five PKs on. Brad Gushu over here, or your free, free uh, not the free throws, um, the uh, the field goal. How many attempts do I get for the field goal? Uh, like just what was established one? ten, I guess. Well, I think it was like over under around twenty, twenty attempts. Okay, I would, say, I would say the field goal. goal. Wow. Okay. But also, I legitimately haven't even stood thirty five feet from or thirty five yards from a. Field goal? I think you would struggle to get it above the bar. Well, I, I feel like you think so little of me. I just don't think you're giving enough credit to how hard it is to kick a 35-yard field goal. I think goal. it's very difficult Yeah, to kick anything over 40 yards. 35 yards? Come on. All right. I got to get, like, we got to do this on the same day. I'll <laughs> no, get... Mert texted, no chance. Yeah. I'll get Victor to hold the ball for me while I'm kicking field goals, and yeah. then... I'll tucker him out, and then then I'll score five. <laughs> Sound logic, my friend. Uh, 650-650, the Dunbar Lumber text line. Uh, so we were talking about Elias Patterson. Elias Patterson earlier, and what uh, in this hypothetical world, if he got traded, where he would go to? Um, Parker and Kitts. Sorry, go, go ahead. ahead. No, no, you had Parker and Kitts. He goes to Boston, and the city burns. Hundred percent. What would people? Well, it depends be... on what we would get back. Taylor people... Hall. No, <laughs> he's not even there anymore. <laughs> would people be more mad about him going to Boston or Chicago? Chicago. 
I think so too. Because then he's with Bedard, and then it's like, oh, what could have been? And yeah, and they'd actually be like, they got all the pieces yeah. to, well, not all the pieces yet, but they got a lot of draft picks, decent amount of prospects. Like theoretically, they could be good. And having the one two punch at center of Connor Bedard and Elias Pettersson, that power play, that would be nice. By the way, I have a, I have a buddy uh, who's going to the first home game of the Chicago Blackhawks this year just so that he can get the ticket stub for Connor Bedard's first ever NHL game. That's a little excessive. Well, no, you could sell it. Oh, you can sure. sell the stub. Like, yeah, get but it, like get real- it graded and then sell it. Realistically, how much are you going to? Well, McDavid sold for an ungodly amount of money. Did it actually? Yeah. Like I, in the I, tens I of thousands. I I guess I just don't understand the world of collectibles because for me, like, there are stuff about Connor Bedard's first game that yeah. I'd be like, oh, that's that's worth money. Like his jersey or or piece of equipment, whatever, or his first goal, whatever it is. But the ticket stub to the game. Well, imagine if you have a signed Connor McDavid jersey or signed Connor Bedard jersey, mm-hmm. and then under the jersey you have the ticket stub in the frame. Yeah, this just doesn't seem like crazy valuable to me. Well, to but I'm also to to someone it is sure, sure. Uh, six fifty, six fifty from Lee in Surrey. Lee in Surrey. Lee, I think it's Lee. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, the fact the contract negotiations are stalling likely means that the Canucks want to pay EP as a 90 to 100 per, uh, 90 to 100 point player and he probably thinks that he can jack up the numbers and reach a higher level this season and be compensated for it. Exactly. That's the point I'm trying to make. Yeah. Sure. He's just trying to make just as saying, much money as possible. I'm just saying the Canucks should pay him regardless of what it is because he's going to be worth it. Right. And so I think we get to a point, sorry to cut you off, but I think we get to a point where the best players in the NHL, the top 10, all earn max contracts. I don't know if we're ever going to get there because there's this weird respect thing between players where they're like, and I I disagree with it, where they're like, oh, McDavid makes that much. I can't make more than him. Oh, McKinnon makes that much. I can't make more than him because he's better than me. No. Or he has more accomplishments. No. Yeah. You really think so? I think so. That's dumb. And, like, the new bar is probably going to be set by Austin Matthews because I don't think he falls in line with that. I think he's Not like, at all, yeah. Give me as much money as – Give me as, my money. Yeah. And that's probably what it should be to an extent. Like, there's always a limit. But realistically, the other part is teams haven't won with someone on that level of contract yet. Like the, Yeah, even McKinnon – was on a he was on deal. a crazy good deal yeah. when they won, and now it's going to be difficult to for Colorado to like build around that. So think about, but your best players should always be the highest paid on your team. Yes, well, yeah, that's like the OELs of the world. All due respect, great person should not be your highest paid player. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, and I don't think anyone disagrees with that. Yeah. Um, but what I'm saying is, so if we eventually did get to a point where Let's say the top 10 players in the league are asking for max contracts. That's 20% of the cap. I know. Is a max contract. But you need to get to a point where the cap is so high as a league right, that but you it, can afford to do that. They would still always be taking up 20%. I understand. Mm-hmm. I think what I think needs to happen and what I've been a proponent it of. It just takes one player and one desperate team. I don't like. 
I don't know if it does because we see outlier contracts all the time. We would need to see like a few in rapid succession for players to be like, I can do this. I can go and ask for a max contract. Like if if McDavid was a free agent right now and someone offered him a max deal, would anyone blink an eye? No. Exactly. But do you think – I don't think anyone would. Someone would. Because the value you get in return for having McDavid on your team exceeds the amount of money you pay him. Sure. I personally – Even if you're not winning cups. I, I think Just it's going to tr- – Jersey, ticket sales, streaming numbers – Unless they're making lower, that money back as an or, as an owner, unless they lower what a max contract is percentage wise of the cap, or they add a luxury tax, or oh, if something they add like a luxury that. tax, then they're hundred percent. Yes, making, then yeah. then I can definitely see that. But right now, where it's at with twenty percent with a hard cap, I can't see a player, especially because look, players. The also, hard cap is is temporary, right? We all know that. Like the coming the years, the flat cap is temporary, but the so hard, hard cap. Sorry, yes, the flat cap is temporary. Yeah, and the, in the coming years with numbers shooting up the way they are projected to. Mm -hmm. I think it's more and more likely. But I think the other part is players also want to win, right? Not all players. Some players are just in it for the money. I mean, generally most players, while they want the money, would also like to win while getting the money. So a part of them as well is like, okay, if I take 20% of the cap, I know that this team's not going to be able to compete. Whereas if I take 15 to 17%, I'm still getting a lot of money. And maybe they can bring in another guy that will help us win a cup. Uh, Chef Swagger from Hell's Kitchen. Ticket stubs don't exist anymore. While that is true, you can go to a box office with your your digital ticket, and they will print you out a a paper one. And to the other person who said um, it doesn't make sense, there are 18,000 other ticket stubs out there. Well, no, because everyone has a digital one. If you're the one who goes to the box office and says, hey, print me one out. How many of those 18,000 are doing that? Probably not that many. I mean, if word gets around. Yeah, but it, is it going to? I think for that game specifically, you'd maybe get like a few thousand. Maybe just the hundreds. Yeah. But even then. I don't know. I just have no idea of how, uh, like to me, that just doesn't seem valuable. But I guess I can see the appeal. It's like a pickleball team. <laughs> what is it? Like, where are people seeing the value in this? And then, but there is. There's always the value is in the amount of money you can make in return. That's the value. <laughs> no, Let's move on. I get it. Uh, six fifty, six fifty. By the way, to the person who is saying you guys are all wrong, the Panenka is the slow chip. We know we were just we were yanking. John's yeah, chance. I still have no idea, but they they definitely know because now this person's calling us like hockey net six fifty. <laughs> yeah, you guys are embarrassing. <laughs> they know soccer. I do not. You can get mad at me. I don't know soccer, but they know soccer. Sign your texts. Yeah, <laughs> Cow- cowards. Uh, what if Bedard gets scratched like Besser did? Well, then, sucks for you. That's the risk you take. Oh, and the, he's not going to get scratched. No. It's Connor Bedard. Guys. Yeah. Um, 650, 650, Dunbar Lumber text. By the way, someone sent, sent in a text unsigned. He wants to win a cup. It's that simple. Yes, we know Elias Pettersson wants to be on a winning team. We're talking in general about hockey players and the top stars. Yes. When it comes to max contracts. Yes. And they're like, players are always going to want to win. My thought is just that i don't think we're gonna see max contracts because they're always it's easier in the nba to get a max contract too because the rosters are just so much smaller you know where it's a little bit easier to build around it i I think the new cba is going to make it a little more difficult to have like these big three teams but in the past 
it's been easy to have multiple players on max contracts and be able to win. Um, in hockey, something has to change in hockey. What I would like to see change and text in six fifty six fifty if you're into this. The thing I love about the NBA is that the max number of years on a contract is so low compared to the NHL that it's like when your team signs a free agent, you're not upset about it. You know, whereas if you're the Canucks, if you're a Canucks fan, I know a lot of people aren't a huge fan of the JT Miller extension, but what if that was only for a max of five years? You'd be like, oh, well, those last, maybe the last year or two might be bad, yeah. but at least it's not three or four years. So that's what I would like the NHL to adopt. And it'd be like the NHLPA would obviously fight against it and it'd be this whole thing. But that to me is what would make all the off-ice stuff all that more interesting because you would have a lot more player movement. Contracts would be expiring much more often. Players would probably be testing the UFA market much more often. That's the other thing as well is I think the RFA age should be lowered a little bit. Like you should be an RFA until you're, 24 at the max 23 even. right and then you get to hit ufa and for a team like the canucks that might uh backfire a little bit but also it would just make for an, a much more interesting league overall i think uh shane texts in 650 dunbar lumber tax line cap goes up 10 mil over the next three years canucks pay oel 10 mil cap up but buyout uses that up and they yeah, but they projected for that. Yeah. I like I'm still I was always into the idea of buying out OEO yeah. before they even did it. Just because he was such a net negative that even when you're spending money, it's almost spending money on him not to play, it yeah. still almost works out better. Um and also we have no idea really what the cap is gonna jump up. Something to. has to change with the cap at the end of the day. Because all these teams are in cap hell. There's no player movement, very little player movement. The NHL trade deadline this year was an absolute, like, ghost town. Well, right now it's just because of the flat cap. The flat cap. And, like, it's going to change. Right. We all know that's going to change. But it needs to, like, we need to have significant movement. Right. The The NHL has gotten to a place where it's stale. And, like, there are – the Eric Carlson trade is a perfect example. Yes. You traded a Norris Trophy winner for a bunch of guys. That was that was my take as well. Is like you shouldn't have to when you're when you're a team that wants to get a good player, and again, a lot of it is due to the flat cap. But when you're a team that wants to get a good player, you shouldn't have to be like, okay, now we got to make sure we're sending out this exact amount of money yeah. so that we can bring this exact am- amount of money in, and uh, oh, we got to use LTIR to make this work. Like there shouldn't be so many gymnastics to make things work. Yeah, you're Livy Dunning everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. She's a gymnast, guys. I got it. I yeah. got it. I'm going to move on. Um, I agree that there should be changes to the cap and, and how it works. I just don't know if that would give – because we see it in the NBA. The small market teams have troubles. Yes, but the small market teams operate in a different way. So, like, the Memphis Grizzlies, for example – Small market team, but how did they how did they find success in the 2010s? They built through the draft and they built a team, like what much like what the Denver Nuggets are now. Mm-hmm. And they got to a Western Conference Final. Unfortunately, they ran into some really hot teams, some really good teams, mm-hmm. right? But that's what small market teams in the NBA do. 
That's how you just that's how you have to build. And in the NHL, you're gonna have to do the same thing. The the teams with the most amount of money in this scenario get to play big ball because they get to spend, and the small market teams have to be creative. Yeah. It's just, just how it is. That's sports, man. I, I agree that's how it is. I just don't know if I this whole thing about parody and everyone has to be on the same playing field, it's boring. That's why the that's part of the reason why the NHL is four out of four of the big four. I mean, the NBA is also trying to get more parity in the league, and that's why they're doing this. Right, like, but, but the NBA and its dynasties are what drive interest, and player movement are what drive interest. Yes, and the NHL should do more to yes. try to figure out ways to create more player movement. I just wonder if it's it's too difficult of a sell to owners, and players are probably much more comfortable just staying in the cities they're in. Like... NHL. I don't know about the players. I think the players are getting sick of it, too. I don't know. Like, maybe a few of the stars, but general NHL players are if you like, raise you give ceiling, me a contract, I'll stay here. If I you don't raise care. the ceiling in the NHL, everyone gets paid more, not just the the star players. Right? Yeah. That's all That's all teams want. That's all the CBA wants. Or that's the NHLPA, not the CBA. Yes. But I just wonder if the way you do that, I, I don't know if it helps – certain players uh, it, it's way too complicated i think <laughs> way too complicated but uh, they, they like again i go back to the shortening the contract years and figuring out how to lower rfa requirements or ufa requirements and that to me is like the big first couple steps uh shane 650 650 dunbar lumber text line without gymnastics anyone could do it uh shane that's not the point the point is that right now it's too complicated for even nhl teams yes and like to operate. again, I we keep comparing it to the NBA. Like that's the natural. They they run at the same time. Yeah, not all comparison. of us could be NBA general managers, no. but it's just easier for a fan to follow and be like, hey, like I, I think our team can acquire this guy without having to move all these salaries around. And, I, and sometimes they do have to move money. Go ahead, but not nearly as complicated or as often as they do in the NHL. My final point. It's the easiest way to put it. 10 years ago, even 15 years ago, NHL trade deadline shows were great because from morning till noon, there was a ton of movement on NHL trade deadline day. Interesting movement. And you tuned in knowing that, like, I'm going to be entertained because I'm going to find out where this star player goes or this player goes or this team does this or whatever. 15 years later, that that's not happening. It's mm -hmm. not happening. I do. That's wonder. a problem for the NHL. I understand the flat cap. I get that, but it's not happening because of the gymnastics that you have to do, you have to do just to move off guys, move off star players. Eric Carlson, they did like they didn't get anything back for Eric Carlson. We got a first round pick. Great. Yeah, and Man just won a Norris Trophy. Mm -hmm. I agree. Like this is what I'm talking about. The NHL needs to fix this. This is not okay. We need to see where it's at when it comes to uh, when the cap does go up, too, because that, that'll play a part. Things will have an, a sense of normalcy once the cap starts rising like it used to. But even before that, even pre-COVID, things needed to uh, needed to change. It is Sportsnet today. Appreciate all your texts coming in, 650-650, the Dunbar Lumber text line. Uh, I'll be back tomorrow. You will not be. I'll be here with uh, Ben Basrin from 11 to 1. A lot of people are happy about that. Yeah, a lot of people pumped. Uh, appreciate you listening.
Coming up next is the Seattle Mariners and Chicago White Sox. Uh, thanks to Victor Gauthier. Thanks to Dominic Schermatti. And uh, I have been Josh Elliott-Wolf. This has been Sportsnet Today on Sportsnet 650.